The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. What happened? From so much faith and, and, and let's go change the world and let's go charge hell with a water pistol. What happened essentially to bring us to this place of comfort, complacency, the existence of a Christian subculture totally disconnected from a lost and a dying world. Essentially, what happens when our heart stops beating for what God's heart beats for? Evangelist and international speaker, Christine Kane, next on Life Today. in the Word, and you're going to be so blessed to hear Christine Kane. I'm Betty, and this is James. Yeah, and I'm telling you, Christine, I believe, delivered the most powerful teaching message uh, that I've ever heard on why we're here on this earth right now. Why are we here? To be witnesses unto Him, of Him, for Him, about Him, beginning at home, neighboring communities to the ends of the earth. We're here on a divine mission assignment. And I'm telling you, you talk about lighting a fire. When I heard this message in person, and then when I heard part of it, only part of it, not all of it, you're going to hear part one this week, part two next week. When I heard it, I said, never in my life, never have I heard anyone so inspire and so challenge all believers to be faithful witnesses in the power of God's love and His Spirit. Here is Christine Kane. You're about to be blessed. Here she is. I love America. And I like, I've been coming. I came at least 15, 15 times a year for 12 years before we moved here. Three years ago, my children um, now sing the Star Spangled Banner as their national anthem. My children now pledge allegiance to the American flag. My, um, so there's no doubt that for a couple in their mid-40s with an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old to move across the world, and to plant themselves in this nation, there's a reason for it. So we very much love America. America shaped so much of our Christianity, the Christian church in America. In the 90s, when I came first into the faith movement and learned so much about the word of faith and the power of the word of God to transform and renew your mind. And with my messed up background, I so desperately needed that. It was the American church that brought the truth, the absolute truth of God's word uh, in a way that I could comprehend it. And it transformed us, our nation, our church. And by the grace of God, God has raised up Hillsong Church to be uh, so influential in much, much of the world, not just when it comes to praise and worship, but when it comes to leadership and, and just doing church, not just being the church, but doing church. And then as I watched it through the 90s, it was interesting as a foreigner watching what was happening to the church in America. And then in the early, the first decade of this millennium, and um, then it became very evident that something dramatic had to happen. 
because God loves America, God loves the whole world. There's no doubt about that. But there's a very significant, in these last days that we live in, there is a very significant place for the American church. And it's not an accident that so many of us from other parts of the world have come alongside to run with you and to say, come on, let's keep going because we have such a job to do. But if I look at everything and I think, what happened? What happened? From so much faith and, and, and let's go change the world and let's go charge hell with a water pistol. What happened essentially to bring us to this place? of comfort, complacency, the existence of a Christian subculture totally disconnected from a lost and a dying world. Essentially, what happens when our heart stops beating for what God's heart beats for? Then we become an institutionalized, creedalized, dead bureaucratic institution that lacks life, that lacks power, that lacks spirit. And we go about our lives just simply fulfilling a bunch of boring religious obligations and not actually being the church that God has called us to be. When we create this religious system where we just go about the business of doing church. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to church I go. And here's my little three songs and now I'm gonna listen to my sermonette and I'm gonna do my pirouette and we've all done church yet for this week. And we've heard about that extensively from the last couple of preachers. You don't need me to go there. But how does that happen? Because essentially what has happened, and it happened in Europe several hundred years ago, it happens when a passion deficiency syndrome hits the church. When we're no longer passionate about what God is passionate about, when the only thing we become consumed with is maintaining our own religious rituals and we forget the very purpose for which we were left here on the earth, which is to go into all the world and to make disciples. We just heard a wonderful sermon about all of that. There is ultimately only a one reason why God's left us here. We will be searching the unsearchable riches of Christ for all of eternity. So what if you go into heaven knowing more Scripture than me? Did you take everyone there with you that you were supposed to take with you is the issue. That's the issue. We will be worshiping holy, holy, holy with 10,000 times 10,000 for all of eternity. And I come from the Worship Bunny Church. We will be fellowshipping with one another forever and the one that bugs you the most from the denomination you dislike the most will be your next door neighbor in heaven forever. Just stick that in your pipe and smoke it. That's what will happen. So if the church is built on four pillars, worship and obviously teaching and discipleship and fellowship and mission, there is only one of those four things that we can do this side of eternity that we can't do the other side of eternity. I would wonder if God being God and being all-knowing possibly might think maybe the priority of the church needs to be what my priority has always been from Genesis all the way through. For God so loved what? The most overquoted verse in the Bible that we are aneath, we, we, we are inoculated against that anymore. For God so loved, didn't just love, so loved, so loved. God is passionate about the loss, so passionate that He gave His beloved Son for a lost and a broken world. And then His Son said, would you please go and do the same? Would you please go into that world until the new heaven comes and until the new earth comes? Because in case some of you still believe this stuff, 
It's not all gonna be okay this side of eternity. Jesus is coming back. If it was all gonna be okay, we wouldn't need a new heaven and we wouldn't need a new earth. So what we ought to be urgent about is making sure that we are taking as many home with us as we can possibly take, that everyone that's meant to come home ought to come home. And what is Jesus obsessed with, church? He's obsessed with a lost world. In Luke chapter 15, one chapter, three parables, one subject. Tell me where else you'll find that. In Genesis to Revelation, God is obsessed with the lost. And Christians ought to be lostologists. Now, you see, when it comes to the lost, we are the most dysfunctional people on earth. We are the most dysfunctional and we ought to be lostologists. Nobody ought to understand the lost like the church. Jesus goes, let me tell you three parables. I'll make it so simple for you. I don't want you to judge the lost. I don't want you to condemn the lost. I don't want you to point a finger at the lost. I don't want you to hate the lost. Let me explain to you how people get lost. We'll make it really simple. There's a man, there's some sheep. You all know the parable as much as me. So he says, how does a sheep, I come from Australia. We're obsessed with sheep. So you could be, driving down the street, there's a little sheep and, and there's a whole paddock and it's got a lot of sheep and then you go to this other paddock and there's only one little sheep. And, and you go, what happened? Well, that little sheep all day, it had its head down and it was eating a whole lot of grass, stuck its head up at the end of the day, went, bah! That being interpreted means I'm lost. That's what that meant. It means I'm lost. Was that a big demonic evil sheep? No. It was just a sheep that was preoccupied with eating and it got distracted and it was so preoccupied at the end of the day, it ended up lost. We have a whole generation that is so preoccupied. We're just trying to pay the bills, just trying to somehow keep their marriages together, just somehow trying to keep their kids off drugs, just somehow trying to get through this thing called life. They are preoccupied and have ended up lost. And then he goes on and talks about a woman with a coin that is lost. Now, did the coin get lost on its own? Well, of course not. The woman was careless with the coin and the coin ended up lost. We have a generation, whether it's the media, whether it's the government, whether it's the education system, whether it's parents, we have been given stewardship over a generation. We have been careless with that stewardship and that generation has ended up lost. I ended up lost not just because I was big, some big demonic person, but people that should have been stewards over my, lives weren't, my life weren't. And I was left abandoned and unnamed and unwanted in a hospital. I was sexually abused by many different men several times a week, consistently for 12 years. People were careless with my life and I ended up lost. We have a generation in the ditches of life because people have been careless and they've ended up lost and they don't need you and me pointing a finger of judgment or animosity or hatred or condemnation for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And this is the one we love the most, especially the church, we're so good at this. We think, well, what about when it's your own choice? What about if you started off in the father's house and you decided to come out under that covering? and go your own way, of your own volition. You made unwise choices. You got into a marriage that maybe wasn't right. Maybe you just squandered a whole lot of money. Maybe you ended up on drugs. Maybe you ended up sleeping around, whatever it might be. And you knew better because you started in the Father's house. 
They're the ones we love to write off. No, you couldn't ever come back. (laughs) You could never have another chance because you knew. You started in the Father's house. The coin we can make amends for. You're abused, Chris. It wasn't really your fault. Preoccupied sheep, you didn't really do too much bad. That was okay. But, But those that started in the house and walked out, Ooh, we, we've, got, we've got not much room for them. And Jesus says, you know what? It really doesn't matter. And I don't think the son was really all that bad. I just think he simply miscalculated. He just thought a life without the father would be better than a life with the father. And he made a huge miscalculation and ended up in a pit, lost. And essentially Jesus says it really doesn't matter whether they were preoccupied, whether someone was careless with their life or whether of their own volition they made a decision to walk out from under the covering of the Father and walk away. The point is, whatever it takes, you are my spiritual GPS system. I have put you out and we just heard wonderful sermons about that into the midst of a lost and a broken world to help reroute people to me. We are God's GPS system. If you're wondering what you're doing every single day, we are here to reroute people to God. You know, for the sake of our marriage, about seven years ago, Nick and I bought a GPS in Australia. And um, we have an awesome relationship. But, you know, apparently I could talk to millions of people around the world, but Nick really doesn't like me to tell him where to go when we're sitting in a car. And so it, it just causes moments of intense fellowship. So in order to stop that happening... If you only knew my husband, because he's just so volatile, you'd you'd all believe this. And so um, we got this GPS, and in Australia it's called a nav man. And it's a lie. It's false advertising, because when you put the nav man in the car, she starts talking to you, and she is not a man. She's a woman. (laughs) And you know what really ticks me off? I've been married to the man 18 years, been to the labour ward twice, put up with endless nights of snoring, and he listens to that woman tell him where to go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So every now and again, I get in the car with Matilda. I call her Matilda because I'm from Australia and that's what we do. I call her Matilda and I say, Matilda, I'm going to show you who is the woman in this relationship. And so we put her on and I'll put in the destination. I love doing this. I am weirder than any of you have any idea. And I do this. I get in the car and then, you know, she says, next exit on the left, next, you know, and I literally out loud, I look at her and I go, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And it makes me feel so empowered. And so I go, no. And so then I go straight past that exit. And then I'll do like a little sneak exit off like a little road on the side there. It makes me feel so good. And she goes all fuzzy. You know, she goes all that snowy. She's like going. And then when I do another quick little turn, she goes into full on cardiac arrest. It's awesome. It's just a flat line straight. <laughs> And then after a few minutes, those little words start to pop up on the screen. Rerouting, rerouting. Every single time I see that, I think that is the job of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. We are there to be at the exit ramps of life and we are there to reroute people back to the relationship for which they were created. A relationship with the living, resurrected God. And we are His hands and feet on this earth. Well said, Christine. Listen to me now. I mean, this is great. It's going higher. Don't miss next week for the conclusion in part two. 
we are really here, rerouting people, giving them life. We are actually here as the ambassadors for Christ, pointing people to the way, the truth, and the life, and doing it with not only zeal, but compassion and love and boldness and courage. And we do it consistently. Betty, I've been witnessing, you remember when we, uh, you know, when we kind of started out, uh, I'd just go witness to people every time we'd go out to eat. You'd be every a nervous time. wreck. We'd yeah. try to go out and have something to eat. I'd you be, knew I'm going to every table right. restaurant. I'd be eating by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but she watched the yes, glory of God, and it it's is. still there. It is. It's never, it's never <laughs> stopped. And I'm telling you, you can live amazed. I want to show you something that I promise you. When you see it, and, and some of you say, well, I think that might, I, I probably could do that more easily than I might could witness. No, you can do both. But I do agree. When you see a broken heart and you have the ability in a single gesture of love to begin healing that broken heart and to stop the process of heartbreaking experiences, I want you to listen as you watch and identify with what's going on and know that this is not wishful thinking. We've got the answer. We got the perfect solution. And you're such a big part of it. Watch. As parents, we often want to give our children everything they desire. But what if you couldn't even give your children the things that they needed to survive? What if you couldn't offer them protection or even comfort them in their pain? Lydia knows exactly how this feels. Lydia's daughter, Maria, was exposed to the contaminated water at an early age, and the effects of the water immediately began to take its toll on her delicate body. Today, you can prevent this from becoming the story of so many other mothers in this remote area who just want to be able to provide for their children. Our prayer is that Lydia would never again have to bury another child because of contaminated water. You know, we could gladly hold that precious mother in arms and join her in weeping. But she's also thinking about her other children and children in the village. 
And you stop and think if you went to get the only water because you have to have it, and when you went to get help, you actually brought them disease, and you lose your child. And then we look in from the outside and understand the challenges. And with compassion and legitimate concern, I think most of us would say, if possible, we'd take their whole community, their whole village in our arms and, and we'd give them water. We have it here. They don't have it there. But we can deliver it to them. Betty, we can drill a well in all those areas with those villages and literally with a single water well, most of those little remote areas, we can give them water for the rest of their lives, clean drinking water. And Betty, it's like a miracle to a village and they get to see the love of God in action, not just in word. Right. And then they're ready to hear about the source of that love that sends us there with water. Water for life because of the water of life, a relationship. And we get to see miracles. Right, right James. And just to think that through our gifts and our love to these families, James, these mothers especially, it's hard, very hard to know that what you're giving your child may kill them. And, and it's hard for them to understand why their child has to die because lack of the water that they need, James, the clean water, not the old disease. And a lot of the water, those diseases that they get are because of the water. They, they, we could stop so much of that if we would just reach out in our hearts and say, God, what, how much, how much can I help in this situation? What can I do? Because there's something that all of us can do, small or big. Whatever God leads you to do, let's let's get these water wells so that these mothers don't have to have the heartache of going down to those disease rivers and saying, I know this is going to hurt my baby, but they've got to have some water or just to maybe live another day, James. Well, you know, the miracle is, and think about this, the well costs $4,800. There's someone watching me right now said, I can cover that village. I can drill a well. But we've targeted with missionaries' oversight and direction 500 areas in 15 countries with the same need. And so we're asking God to raise up people who will be an answer to that mother's heart cry and her prayer. Could you give the 4,800? Could you give 2,400 and pray someone joins you or 1,200 and pray three do? I want you to keep this in mind. It's really, really important. There is no small gift because we're giving love and life. $48 and you give 10 people water the rest of their life. There is a level at which you can participate. Most of the resources, and we do have couples and individuals, sometimes a church will drill a well. But most of the support comes in $4,800 or a gift of $100 or $144, whatever you can give to give water. Would you do it? We have some gifts to send you. I've written a book about the God of all creation that will bless you. And then we have a beautiful table book that is illustrated so beautifully with all of God's creation and the beauty of it and the names of our Father. And then a beautiful bronze of one of the majestic animals that God has created that poses like majesty and makes us think about the God of all creation. We want to send you gifts to bless you because you are in fact giving the great gift of life and you're giving in love because of Jesus. Would you go to lifetoday.org or would you dial that number? Take your bank card, please do it now. 
and we can just let that mother know there's a well on the way. Maybe you can give the well or you can give part of it and help us with those hundreds of wells in many countries. You do your part sharing God's heart. Thank you for doing it. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 15 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we would like to send you James Robison's book, God of All Creation. Through his personal observations of animals and wildlife, James shares heartwarming stories and spiritual lessons of God's love and grace. With your gift of $100 or more, be sure to request Majesty. This beautifully illustrated book teaches you the blessing and significance of the names of God, including Jehovah Rapha, your healer, and Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful new Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, Betty and I want to say thank you so much. And you know one of the most popular things that people look at on YouTube are pets and animals. It's so cute. God made such a great creation, but we can learn lessons from them. I learned so much from this little dachshund. She's been with us for over 14 years, and she's still teaching us. Well, we share stories of what we learn, and then here's the name of God. All the promises revealed through the names, majesty and the beautiful pictures, and then the beautiful bronze, one of God's great creations, majesty. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for not only watching life today, but for prayerfully and compassionately sharing life today with those in desperate need. Thank you so much for doing it. I encourage you also every day, go to the stream, stream.org, and get the wisdom and understanding to know how to pray and how to effectively address the challenges we face. Thank you so much. Thank all of you.
tomorrow. I really believed a lie of the enemy that Christianity was boring and confining and irrelevant. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.